The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Father God, as we come before you today and worship, we come now before your word and ask that you would speak to us. Not just to our heads, not that this day something that we learn new, but somehow we become new in you. And it may be that, that this message today is not something right where we're at, but we know people on our path that need this. Help us to say to take your word in a way that we can share it with others. Not just share the word, but share the hope that is in you, Jesus. Lord, we think of those who have various needs this week. We continue to pray for Wendy. We thank you that things went well on Thursday, but that you continue to work through the recovery for others who are experiencing physical difficulties and um, need your touch. But Lord, there are those even here today who it's not just the physical. They're struggling in other areas of their life. And if they're honest, even in the stillness, sometimes just struggling with you. I thank you that you have no intention of letting go. Move in us and through us this day. Help me to speak your words and prepare the way for you, Lord, and what you want to do at the end of this message. And how you want to meet us in a special way. So we commit ourselves to you. We say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And we give you the praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. It may be that some of you who actually pay close attention... Uh, we'll be remembering that I said something about starting uh, a series on the Good Samaritan. Uh, and we will, just not right now, uh, another time. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, because we didn't have, uh, last week, obviously I didn't, I was here, but didn't have to preach. So a couple weeks ago I started preparing and praying about this Sunday. And as I was doing that, getting ready for the Good Samaritan and all that comes, God just made it clear that... That wasn't his message for now. It is his message, and he will, it will be coming. But that's not his message for now or that series for now. Instead, he just made it, it just continued to be increasingly abundantly clear that we need to get back to fighting for joy. We've made some progress. But how many of you here today would 
be willing to, by even raising your hand, be willing to say that there are still some areas of life that we need, that you even need to fight for joy in. All right. Yeah. Wow. But just even more hands than I thought uh, as that goes. And it, it just seems that that's, that's where it is and those areas of fight for joy and to have the joy of Jesus spring up. And we want to do that. The area today where we struggle with joy that God wants to hit deals with grief. Interestingly, uh, all of this and, and the direction was something that happened before, uh, we, before the passing of longtime pastor uh, in our area, Tim Tigert. And many, I know any of you were at the funeral or the memorial service just yesterday. But I think there are other things that are probably in others' lives that are experiencing or hitting or remembering along these ways. You know, the phrase goes, death is no stranger. Uh, And probably to most of us here, death is no stranger. We felt the grip of grief, uh, not only in the death of a loss of a loved one here on earth or from this earth, but we've been gripped by grief in the death of a loss of so many other different things in our life. The loss of a job or a position, the loss of a relationship, the loss of our health, our hopes, our dreams that we had, not just for ourselves, but maybe for others, for for our family members. One of the last things that we are experiencing then in the midst of our grief is any kind of joy. It's like suddenly it just got squeezed out of us as grief grabs a hold of us. In fact, it almost seems like as it's squeezing tighter and tighter, We need to fight harder and harder to find joy in the midst of this. In the midst of this grief that is a a pain. It's an ache deep within that that can cause our moods to just go up and down. It causes us confusion. It can immobilize us in different areas of our life where we we just don't know what to do or we just don't feel like doing. We, We stop caring. We feel helpless. We feel hopeless. It can grip us so hard and for so long that it can go beyond no longer actually sensing joy to no longer actually sensing anything. It just don't feel. Where early on we, we laid in bed at night and wiped the tears from our eyes. It's gotten to the point where now we just lay in bed and stare in the darkness. There's a part of this that goes beyond grief to a falling in the pit of despair and dealing with depression, which is where we're going to take this fight for joy next week as it deals with the pit of despair or depression. But today we find ourselves, as it says in Psalm 23, walking through the valley of the shadow of death where grief has a grip on us. How do we fight for joy there? Two ways we want to look at this morning as we think about Psalm 23. And the first way is by finding joy in Jesus, the good shepherd who is with us in the valley. By finding joy with Jesus who is with us in the valley. 
As, as we looked at Psalm 23, we read about how the Lord is our shepherd and he makes me lie down in green pasture. He leaves me beside still waters, restores my soul, all good things. Uh, so often in our life, there are those times that we're just walking along, it's green pastures, and we even get those moments where we're kind of sitting beside still waters. And yet, even in this psalm, that's not all that life is, because then it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even in our real life, there are the green pastures, but there are the valleys of the shadow of death as well. There are those tough times that we go through. Those valleys where it seems darker, colder, lonelier. A valley, as verse 4 says here, a valley where death has cast its shadow. What that means, therefore, is this verse does not apply to our loved ones who have already passed through the valley. This verse does not apply to those who have already died. They've passed through. It applies to those who are left, who death has cast its shadow on. The ones who are left here in the valley still, where grief grips our soul and weighs us down, even to the point where sometimes we just feel like we can't keep walking. How do we fight for joy in this valley? We begin by realizing we can't fight on our own in times like these. It is in times like these that there is one who can fight with us. There is one in whom we can find joy and even be even though we are being surrounded by sorrow, we can still find joy because we find Jesus. When grief seems to get its grip on us, that is the time we reach out and grab a hold of the hand of the Good Shepherd to lead us through. He's there. He is the one right there in the valley. He is the one that can bring us joy in the midst of sorrow. He is the one that Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He's right there. You do not have to be alone in this valley. You also need to realize, though, that Jesus is not just going to come down and pull you right out of the valley. Instead, what Jesus does is he comes down and joins you in your grief. Unfortunately, there are too many Christians that are walking through the valley and trying to act like they're on some bright mountaintop. Even as the shadow of death is there, yeah, everything's fine. We try to keep up appearances. We're up. Yeah, things, things are good. I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm, I, but you're really down. Right? You're not sure about the good. I mean, you know in your head, but that's not what your heart is telling you. We're trying to keep up appearances, trying to be strong and not cry, because we have hope in Jesus, after all. A Jesus who helps us. Yet, this hope that we have in Jesus that helps us is really, oftentimes, just a sense that Jesus is up in heaven. Jesus, Savior, and yeah, He helps us up there in heaven. He, he helps us kind of deal with some of this stuff that we have to go through here. But it's us to, up to us to live it out here in the valley. 
That's not what he says. Verse 4, Psalm 23 says, For you are with me. He is not up there in heaven saying, I'll see you on the other side when you get through the valley. He is walking with us. Whatever the grief is that we're dealing with, we do not have to be alone. We do not have to do this in our own strength. And there are are times, and I've experienced times like these, where grief just hits you like a flood. It's wave after wave. It's like it hits you and it's a wave and you got just a little bit of break and then another wave hits you and another wave crashing against you. And we try to be strong. And we even want to try to stop the grief. But stopping the grief in those moments is like trying to stop a wave. You can't do that. At best, your hope is that you don't get knocked your feet knocked out from underneath you and dragged out to sea. Sometimes that's the best that we're trying to do. When there is something even better. And that's grabbing a hold of somebody's hands who is closer to shore. He's not necessarily going to take you out of the waves. But he can be that rock in the midst of that waves crashing upon us. I need to grab a hold of the great, the good shepherd's hand and recognize that we do not have to be the rock in the valley. There already is one. And his name is Jesus. A solid rock that the waves can never knock over. All too often we believe in Jesus, our Savior, He's the Savior of our soul, but we are not trusting in Him as the rock of our strength. I don't know if you're, you're catching that or if you follow me, but I, I, we believe Jesus. And I'm not saying that, that we don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm saying we do, and we know what Jesus can do. But in the end, in practicality of the way we live our life, we're actually living it in our own strength. And it's us that have to do it. And Jesus, if you want, can you help out here, here and here and there? Can you help out if you can't? Instead of just saying, I can't do this, carry me. Be the rock. And we don't do that because we think that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to handle it as believers. And Jesus is our strength, so we need to handle it. We, we've got somewhere inside of us. But there's this sadness sometimes that grips us like never before. There is a pain that hits us sometimes that is deeper than anything we've ever known. And what we've tried before doesn't work. Our solution, therefore, is that we just need to try harder at what we did. We just try harder and harder to try to keep it together, to keep from cracking into a million pieces. We try to be the rock, including the rock for other people around us. I remember uh, the first really close death that I experienced long, long ago was my grandmother. Uh, I was her favorite. I, I, I think I really was, which probably wasn't good. I didn't realize that until I was older. But it was my my, my grandmother, and, and her death happened 
Not long after I had made a decision to commit my life to Christ and to follow him. At that time, most of my family uh, had not really stepped across the line, so to speak, into a real relationship with Jesus. They had some religion, but that was about it. And so, in that moment, as my grandmother died, it was around Christmas time as well, somehow I had this idea that Christians should not be gripped by grief. And that I needed to be strong. Not just strong for me, but really strong for my family, who really did not fully grasp a hold of the hope of Jesus. I had the hope. I needed to show that. I needed to be strong. And, and I needed to be a witness for Jesus. Smiling on the outside when others were around and, yes, when others were not. Missing the real joy myself because I was trying to do it myself. Eventually, it did dawn on me that what I was trying to do for Jesus should really be done with Jesus. In fact, should be done like Jesus. And what is like Jesus? Many of you know this story of Jesus and his friend Lazarus who died. And a number of days after Jesus went to visit the family, his sisters Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters Mary and Martha. And as he was there, how did Jesus deal with it? John eleven thirty-five. Eleven verse thirty-five. Jesus wept. The smallest verse in the Bible, but one of the biggest messages for all of us to grab a hold of, of what it means to be a Christian in times of grief. Somehow we have gotten the wrong idea. I mean, think about it. Have you ever, and you probably have, have you ever been with someone who is in the grip of grief and they start to have some tears come? And as they start, the tears start to come. They say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry for crying. Some even say, you know, they say first, they say, I'm sorry for crying. And they kind of put the tears back and they start talking with you. And then it comes back. Say, I just don't know what's wrong with me. I'm, I'm sorry. It's like, hello. You don't have to apologize for being in the valley. You don't have to apologize for being in the valley. It is a place of sorrow that we all have to walk through. Grief is a normal response to what is a normal part of our existence here. And God even acknowledges that in his word. But, 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 but somebody says, my hope is, is in the Lord. I shouldn't be sad. Well, first of all, we just said Jesus wept. But things like Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Many of you are familiar with that passage. There's a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. There is a time. We are not home yet. 
And so there's a time to live, there's a time to die here, there's a time to laugh, there's a time to cry. But we are not home yet in heaven where there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more crying, there will be no more death. That is not here. There will be no valleys in heaven, but there are valleys here that we will have to walk through. And as we think about it, grief is not a bad thing. Because if we did not grieve at all for our loved one, were they really loved? Did we actually care if we feel nothing? And we can at the same time feel the reality of that in the valley and yet also feel a real joy. Because Jesus is there with us. And wherever Jesus is, there is joy. There is joy. Not to mention the fact that there is joy in our hearts and our minds through the memories that we have of the past and for what yet awaits us in the future. But this Jesus who is there with us in the valley is the same Jesus who has been there. He's been there. He knows what you're going through. Not only what I read in John 11, but in Isaiah chapter 53, we know speaks of Jesus. And in verse 3, we read this. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Hear how that describes Jesus? A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus does not just feel for you, he feels with you. He understands what you're going through as Hebrews 4 tells us he's been there and he will be there. And as he's there, he will remind us of some joyful truths like he shared with Martha and Mary on that day. In John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, while Lazarus was still in the tomb, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Whoever lives believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus asked. Death is not the end, like some period at the end of a sentence. At at the worst, death is a comma for those who trust in him. A comma, and life goes on eternally. Which is why you can say in verse 4 as well, For I shall fear no evil. Nothing to fear. In death or in all of that. But there are too many times that we're trying to be strong for Jesus, but not finding our strength in Jesus. In our own effort, we, we think, we know in our heads how Christians are supposed to act, but our strength is not going to come from trying to push grief away, but instead grab a hold and embrace Jesus and find joy in the midst of sorrow. You know, long ago there was a great revivalist called Charles Finney. How many of you have heard of Charles Finney? Just kind of curiosity. Wow, that's pretty good. Charles Finney, great revivalist, and he knew God well. He'd seen God work in some amazing and powerful ways, and he knew of his grace. And yet, there came a point in his life where he strongly felt the grip of grief after his wife passed into the presence of the Lord. And his journey through the valley became harder than it really needed to be. He talked about how he was experiencing seasons of sorrow that would come over him that were almost overwhelming. 
This great revivalist, yes. And one day he says, I was upon my knees communing with God upon the subject, and all at once he seemed to say to me, Did you love your wife? Yes, I did. Well, did you love her for her own sake or for your sake? Did you love her or yourself? If you loved her for her own sake, why do you sorrow that she is with me? Should not her happiness with me make you rejoice instead of mourn if you loved her for her own sake? Did you love her, he seemed to say to me, for my sake? Why do you think your loss, why do you think of your loss and lay so much stress upon that instead of thinking of her gain? Can you be so sorrowful when she is so happy and joyful? Finney goes on to say, I can never describe the feelings that came over me when I seemed to be thus addressed. It produced an instantaneous change in the whole state of my mind. From that moment, sorrow on account of my loss was gone forever. I no longer thought of my wife as dead, but as alive. And in the midst of the glories of heaven. I recognize that today, for some of you who are in the grip of grief, it is not because of the death of a loved one. Rather, it's the death of something else, uh, uh, even your dreams and your hopes. And so somehow the talk of the glories of heaven and all that kind of thing does not directly apply. But it does. It really does apply. Not just for someday for you, but right here and now. Whatever kind of grief that you're experiencing... Whatever the loss that you have experienced that may not be the death of a loved one, whatever that grief, whatever that loss is, Jesus is still the resurrection and the life. Even in that, He is still the resurrection and the life. For whatever you're going through. That doesn't mean that He's going to go backwards in time and reverse all that's taken place because that's not how he works. But he is still able to be the resurrection and life in your current situation. For even though your hopes and your dreams may have died, God's hopes and his dreams for you have not. Do you hear that? Can you receive that? That while your hopes and dreams have died, God's have not for you. If we could just decide that in our grieving to walk with Jesus who is with us into what will be Psalm 5 verse 11, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Think about taking refuge. It doesn't mean that the problems and the everything is not still out there coming after you, so to speak. But we find our refuge. And in that moment, we rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them. And those who love your name may exalt in you. As we think about fighting for joy in the grip of grief, we do that by finding joy in Jesus, our good shepherd, who is with us 
in the valley. But the second point, and because we can't stop there, and oftentimes we do, to really find the joy is to recognize that we find joy in Jesus, the good shepherd, who goes with us through the valley. Not just in the valley, but through it. It's not just that Jesus' joy can bring us His presence can bring us joy right where we're at, but his presence can lead us through, out of the valley, free from the grip of grief. And oftentimes that we, we've missed that. We've missed that promise even in verse 4 of Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk, what's the next word? Through the valley of the shadow of death. It is a statement. I walk through. It is a promise. As we grab a hold of that good shepherd, you can walk through this. No, you will walk through this. Whatever valley it is, and even just that fact should bring just a a little smile, so to speak, on our hearts of the joy that awaits us. As we walk with Jesus, the good shepherd, through the valley, it gets better, it gets brighter. Even the darkness of night turns into day. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may last the night, but joy comes in the morning. Getting through sorrow to joy is a thing in the Word of God. You know, taking sorrow to joy is what happens. Uh, Jeremiah 31, verse 13 and 14. Then shall the young women rejoice and dance, and the young men and the old men be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. Even Jesus, speaking of his own coming death, in John chapter 16, verse 20, said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. You will get through that valley with Jesus and turn our sorrow into joy. No matter how hard it feels like grief has a grip on you. Jesus will help us get to the other side. And as much as we want to avoid the valley, we cannot go around it. We must go through it, which is different for different people in different situations. And yet, you know what I've noticed through the years? are holier than other Christian grief police. Anybody have a slight concept of what I'm talking about? You know, there are grief police out there. I know you can't really see their badges. They don't wear their badges here, by the way. And they come up to people and tell them, you know, I I think you've grieved long enough. It's time to just get over it and get on. I've heard people say that. Of course, I've had a few other words to say afterwards. But But I know people, and I know people said it because people in grief then come to me and say, is there something wrong with me? I try not to say there's something wrong with the other person. But no. Real grief is not something that you can just get over it. But what you can do is get through. Get through it. Get through the valley. Everyone walks at their own pace. There's not a set time it takes to heal. 
Why? Because time does not heal all wounds. Only Jesus does. Which is why we need to grab a hold of His hand and walk. Walk with Him through it. We cannot hurry it. We cannot run through the valley, so to speak. We've got to walk and keep walking in our grief with Jesus to the other side of the valley because He knows the way. He's been there. He knows the way through the other side of the valley. In fact, Jesus is the way. All this said, as much as I say that there are times where we do need to come alongside those who have been in the valley a long time or are struggling deeply. And not only to comfort them, but there are some that have become stuck in that valley for one reason or another. To come and gently help those who have not only gotten off the path, but have just sat down off the side of the road in despair. And while we join them in that, just like Jesus does, and they know Jesus is there, we also need to give the hope and let them know that Jesus wants you to stand up. Not just to sit down in your grief, but to stand up. And Jesus wants you to grab a hold of his hand, and he wants you to walk with him through this. You can get through this. Our sorrow can be turned to joy. Over time it can happen in a moment. You wake up, after a while you wake up, uh, perhaps one day, and that, that constant grip of grief has been released. Let's not be so naive as to think that if we really cared about the person that we're not going to have moments but the actual grip the, is not something that is there. and But for many, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't just, you don't just wake up one morning and grief is gone and joy is full. For many, it's something gradual. It, 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 the gray of grief uh, that seems to color everything in life to the point that things that you once enjoyed even just don't have no effect. Used, the food you used to like, like it doesn't have a taste. Music, it's just noise. Everything becomes dull and colorless. But the journey with Jesus through the valley is a gradual ascent. And kind of like the coming of spring, there's a little bit of warmth that comes, you experience, and you begin to see a little bit of color like spring, and a little more joy starts to bloom again in your heart. Now, sometimes at first, we don't notice or we don't want to notice the green. We don't want to notice things that are starting to bloom because, ah, yeah, but most of my life is gray. It's just, okay, okay, yeah, maybe this is going good, or maybe this is okay, or maybe I, I can have a little joy over here, but it's all, you know what? It's a journey through the valley with Jesus. Just keep walking. Thinking about what is, what is gray, but to recognize what is happening. You see, the reality is, none of it is actually gray. None of life is actually gray. It's just that our camera has the color turned off in that moment of our life. It all really does have color. We're just not able to see it in that grip of grief. The more we walk with Jesus, 
through the valley. The higher up we go, the more light begins to break through and shines brighter and brighter till the full day on things that are now seen as Jesus sees them. Does this mean that there's never a cloudy day? Of course not. But it does mean that there are brighter days beginning to outnumber the darker days. And even on those days, on those dark days, Jesus is right there as the light. The one light of joy to continue to lead us through. So we can walk through the valley out of the grip of grief with Jesus to a greater joy. But as well, we can find joy right there while we're still on the journey in the valley. There is a way to have both tears in your eyes and a smile on your face at the same time. With the one who's been there, who is there, who is here right now today. The one who wants to heal your heart, even right here today. And if you're here and whatever it might be, the grief has a grip on you in some way, maybe the death of a loved one, but maybe it's the death of something else, the loss of something else. We want to pray for you today in a real way. I ask that the worship team would come. And we're going to begin, as we begin singing this song, for those of you in the grip of grief who want to reach out and grab a hold of Jesus' hand, who, they, that want to know more of Jesus' healing, I'm just going to ask that as we sing this song that you be the ones to stand. The rest of us for a moment will just be seated. But that I believe that Jesus, not just right now here today, but I believed in preparing this and where God was going with this, that Jesus wants to meet people here today. Does that mean that suddenly he's just going to wipe away your grief? That would mean suddenly he just takes you through the valley in a moment. And I suppose that's possible. I know that's possible. But there's something that Jesus wants to do. And I just want to encourage you that as you stand, in a moment there will be others that will just gather around you, place their hands on you to pray for you, to, to recognize that Jesus' presence in the valley is real. He is here right now to reach out and grab His hand. Now for some of you, that's going to be hard to do. You know, sometimes you pray with someone and it's like, oh, I, I don't know, it just did, I prayed and nothing happened. Well, first of all, you got to keep walking. He is there whether you feel it or not, whether you know it or not. But sometimes we can't grab a hold of the Good Shepherd's hand because we're carrying things in our hands. There's something we need to let go of. There's something that we need to let go of to be able to grab His hand. What is that? Something that you don't want to let go of. Something that may be some sin in your life. But to drop that right here before Him. To lay it at His feet and let Him touch your life. I want us to be able to join together right here. And trust Jesus for those who will stand. 
that he's going to begin or further the healing that has already started in your life in an amazing and a miraculous way. I don't want us to just gather around one another and just, Jesus up in heaven, you know, help them. No. Jesus right here. Come in. With all your joy, flood the soul. Move. As only you can move. And that the grip of grief in some way would be loosened. Father, I pray that you'd help us and meet us in this moment, even as we look at communion in just a bit, recognizing how much you love us. If you were willing to do this for us, your body broken, your blood shed, to give up your life, how much more does your love want to meet us in the valley that we are in? How much more do you want to see us through? You've already gone all the way for us. There's no doubt that you want to go the rest of the way with us in this valley. I pray that you meet people here. I pray that we would be willing to stand. Even when we just are not sure, we just maybe even not sure we have the hope to trust this. But just to lay ourselves before you, Jesus, who loves us so much more than we can. You love us so much more than we could ever ever comprehend but I pray somehow that you would pour that out today